Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's safety chat. Hi, it's Mike of the Portage County Safety Council. I'm here with my partner in crime, Nick Koya from the Ohio BWC. Welcome back to the podcast, Nick. Hey, Mike, I am excited to be here today. We have a great presenter to work with and talk with today about a topic that does not get enough attention, leading and lagging indicators and things that our audience could start to implement maybe in their workplace to change how we look at safety. So I'm really excited about this topic, and I'm glad that you were able to find Justin on LinkedIn and make these connections for us. So with that, I'd like to uh, welcome today's host, Justin, with Optimal Safety. Hey, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to be back and uh, look forward to round two. So Justin, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, what you do, so we have some background? Yeah, sure. My name is Justin DeFlamary. I'm the owner of Optimal Safety. It's a small-time consulting firm in the Boston, New Hampshire area. And full-time, I'm the Director of Safety and Training and Development for Brady Enterprises. And we manufacture, we're a food manufacturing company that does powdered food and spices. All right. So you see a little bit of everything then, not only being, you know, with a full-time company, but then you're consulting on the side. So you get to experience a little bit of everything out there. And yeah, that's great. And it also kind of pertains to what we're talking about today, because I see a lot of companies going leading indicators first, and a lot of companies are still in that lagging indicator stage. And we'll get to that. Yeah, I think that's my biggest concern, you know, for companies I consult with here in the state of Ohio is that everybody measures lagging indicators because it's a low-hanging fruit. It's easy to grab a hold of. doesn't take much thought process. We look at our OSHA logs and we say, well, here's how we're doing. But data is so old and outdated that I think it's a risk for our customers and for Ohio employers and employers across the U.S. Yeah, I agree, Nick. And you know, I always say a good safety and health program uses leading indicators to drive that change. And you know, lagging indicators are good to use only if you're using them at the end of the year to measure effectiveness of the program on where it was in the past. So I know it's easy for us to use you know, these catchphrases like leading and lagging indicators. And I see Mike over there, his eyes are glazing over a little bit. So how do you define leading and lagging indicators in the safety universe? Great question. So you know, my leading indicators are going to be, what am I doing that's going to help me prevent that next near miss or that next accident? So that is training. So training is a great leading indicator. And a lot of people think, you know, when they hear training, oh, it's boring. Oh, man, I don't want to go. They get the eye rolls like Mike was just doing, right? And uh, what happens is, is, you know, you have to make training fun. You want to engage your audience. You want to make sure that they want to go to training. And what they learn, right, if you make it fun, they'll be more willing to learn and bring that back out to the production floor, which is where we stop those lagging indicators, right? Our people are our front line. They're our defense. Also, near-miss program. This is my biggest when I ever talk about leading and lagging indicators on how you are going to prevent that next accident, right? A near-miss program. Well, what is that? It's a little fancy card or a piece of paper or whatever you know your company wants to implement. And it empowers, that's the big word, empowers the employee who is on that front line, right? To go around and write up hazards, bring it to management, and also give them a box that says suggested fix. Because again, when you empower your employees and it's their words on how to fix it, right? One, you're taking the work off yourself, but two, you're empowering that employee. And that's what drives that culture and drives that change going from a lagging indicator culture to a leading indicator culture. Another big one besides the near-miss program is obviously your committees, right? Ergonomics committees, safety committees, right? Your safety captains. Those are 
leading indicators? This is great stuff. I also look at leading indicators. I'm a big behavior-based safety person, but yep. not the full program because people can't afford it. They can't do it. It's, it's hard to put together. But the observation, putting in together an observation program to measure as a leading indicator has been pretty successful for me with companies too. Finding a specific area over every quarter and focusing in on measuring the success of those coaching moments. Yeah, that's great. What do you measure in your lagging indicators then though? You know, other than just the OSHA stuff, are there other pieces that you're measuring that you found been successful for your company? You know, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I put something on LinkedIn recently about that famous green sign that I'm sure we've all seen or had in our workforce that says, this company has been X amount of days without, you know, a lost time injury. And I hate that. I hate those signs. I think, you know, again, it deters an employee from coming forward. But what does that really, what does that sign really mean, right? If we get to the nitty gritty, are we good or are we lucky, right? That, you know, hey, we just haven't had an accident yet, right? We're, we're doing great. But, you know, some companies can go a year without an accident or a combustible dust explosion or a significant, you know, fatality, right? For two years and then boom, they have one or two. That's it. That's a la major lagging indicator. Some of the things that I look for are property damages, right? Success rate and training. What does that mean? That means like if we're looking at the injury numbers, because again, lagging indicators are useful. They're helpful to measure the effectiveness of the program, seeing if we took what we said in our training and our statements of safety is number one, and if we really brought that out to the floor. But if say we have six forklift injuries and everyone's trained on forklift, well, we, that's a lagging indicator. We need to go back into our training program and see where did we miss as management? Did we not spend enough time on the hands-on piece? Did we not, not spend enough time on driving it home in the classroom? So I always look at training as a leading indicator and a lagging indicator, depending on what the numbers say. And that's a tough pill to swallow. And I think this is one of the hard things for me to sell companies on when I walk in the door is when they have an injury or accident, it's easy to quickly say, hey, Johnny wasn't paying attention. Let's sign off on it. But I go, no, let's dig into causal factors. And how did you as management lead to this injury? And you can just see heads exploding in the, in the boardroom, right? Like, how is this my fault? And, <laughs> and I think you hit on it right there. And, and I think that's a tough pill for some leaders to swallow sometimes. What do you do to drive that conversation and show it as, hey, we do have responsibility for that? Yeah. And Nick, you hit the nail on the head with the a term you used, leader. A good, effective leader, which what we need in the safety professional role will own that and reevaluate the program instead of just pointing the finger, right? That mirror, hey, we have to look in the mirror as safety professionals instead of just pointing that finger. I think that's great that you said that. I wish more people thought like us. But again, you know, these these leading indicators can, you know, reduce costs associated with incidents, which then drives down insurance rates and stuff. And they can improve your overall culture, which is huge. And as we know, as you know, all the real safety pros, where if you improve that culture, Everything on its own runs smooth after that. Yeah, Justin. So there seems to be a real disconnect with communication. You know, I hear all the time in any safety program, in any facility I've ever been into, they really hit the, the green chart. You said it's been 80 days since the last time loss. And nobody cares about that except the managers. And, and I, I think like no one wants to see anyone get hurt. But what really connects with me if I'm, if I'm an employee and I'm walking through there is I want to go back to my wife, to my kid, the same way I came in. I want to be able to live life without having to sacrifice my life. I want to be able to live and come back home and do the things I love, whether that's hunting or fishing for some people, whether that's playing a sport, what, whatever it is, you just want to enjoy life. And so when we communicate all these numbers, it's great at the end of the year for us for data. And it's great for us to kind of see, well, this is where we're hitting or missing. 
But as far as communication and safety programs, it does not connect with employees. Would you agree with that? Oh my God, that is, I 100% agree with that. I, I have never met anyone, I've been doing this 11 years, as you guys said, different facilities. I've ne- met, never met anyone that said, I went home and told the wife today, what's on the sign? We were 86 days, <laughs> time injury. <laughs> you know, I think it's, we have to tie it back to human factors, right? I, you know, one program that was really effective for me um, at a previous employer is I had everybody bring me in a picture of their favorite thing. I said, listen, nobody's going to know what it is. So it can be your motorcycle over your wife if you want it to be. That's fine. What is your favorite thing? And so they all brought me in these things. Most of it was family, but sometimes it was the boat or the, or the motorcycle. And I laminated all those small pictures on a card and I had them carried in their pocket. And when they did something unsafe, I said, pull out your card. Do you want to make it home to this activity, this person? Because these decisions we're making today are going to affect your ability to enjoy that. And so that was our reminder card. And I got employees to start doing that with each other, saying, hey, pull out your card based on that conversation. And just it was that visual reminder. And it started to make the safety program more human. That is a phenomenal idea. Very well done. It's just, you know, because we got to make it more personal. It's, you know, because otherwise we all know what it was like, right? Even out of high school, working for a factory or working in a shop, it was, hey, you know, it's the man just wants the numbers. And what, what we need to do is tie it to personal pieces. But I think we also have to convince the board, right? We have to convince the CEO. We got to convince the board of directors also to invest in this program. So have you ever correlated some of these leading and lagging indicators outside of safety into production, quality, quantity, those sorts of things at the end of the year? Great question. And I did it exactly how you said it. So numbers, right? I find this is me personal, you know, my personal experience, when you get higher up in the food chain, and you're presenting, it it all comes down to numbers. So I always use the golf analogy, right? I always go in there and say, hey, you know, I'm not a golfer, by the way. But you know, you know, I always say, hey, we even we're doing great, right? At, At Brady, we've had the best year that we've had last year and this year, and we're zeros across the board. And I don't contribute that to me, I don't contribute that to you know, my management team, I can contribute that to the safety committee, the safety captains we built up and trained in each plant and the frontline leaders. So our leads, our supervisors who are on the floor every day because they took what we learned and trained them on and they applied it to their teams. And I even said this when we were trying to build that roller coaster to get over that old bad safety culture and come back down again. I said, I don't want to just tell you this when the numbers are good, right? They're zero. That's great. I want to tell you this when the numbers are bad too, that our safety culture is changing because you can have, you know, culture changes three to five years, they say. You can't, you know, some people are lucky and they get to do it within a year or two. But, you know, I would always say present the board to the board and the numbers, but also show the outside activities. So again, you can make a procedure, right? And then you don't have any injury on that procedure or, or JSA that caused a significant injury two years ago. You know, if you look at the data and now there hasn't been one, that to me is a leading indicator because you put that new procedure in place. It wasn't there before. You learned from the past, right? But now you're going forward and building that roller coaster ride up. You know, as a safety professional, and you know, our listeners are are not always just safety people, right? They didn't go to college for safety. Sometimes safety gets dropped on you because you're the HR manager, you're the production manager, the plant manager, like, hey, by the way, where the safety hat. So, you know, for you and I to talk about leading indicators, lagging indicators, it's simple, but to them, their mind goes, oh, there's just so much data. How am I going to do this? How am I going to handle it? You know, they feel like they're sinking already in, in all the hats that they wear. So what's your piece of advice to them? Where would you start? I'm a company who's only used OSHA logs as my metrics for, for 20 some years, but I want to change the culture. What are some key 
leading indicators you start with? People, people first always. And and I'm telling you right now, if, if you make the people feel like their voice matters, it really does drive every, everything else is a moot point. It drives the culture change. If, if I'm going into a company in which we have to build their safety culture, the first thing I personally do is I form a safety committee or, or go to the committees that are already there and see, because to your point, some people don't want to be on the committees. They're like, oh, well, you're the supervisor. You're on the committee because they don't have a safety person, right? And I first analyze the committees. I hate when I go into a company through optimal safety and I see that 80% of the safety committees are management, right? You got your ops manager, your supervisors, and a lead. Well, what does that tell me? You, you know, they're supposed to be the leaders of the company. No one's really going to, I don't want to use the word complain, but voice their concern, right? On what they see day to day, right? So I want to kick all them off. And I want the line employees that are out on the manufacturing line or out in the trenches, literally in the construction site. I want to take their voice. I want to hear what they have to say, what they're going through. How can we make their job easier? That's powerful because, you know, you and I could develop probably some amazing safety ideas in a boardroom behind a desk with, with, with a couple of whiteboards. But then when we implement it out on the floor, they're, you know, the employees are like, this is not going to work and they're just going to ignore it. So well, I, I 100% support that, you know. I think there needs to be more frontline employees involved in this process. You know, measuring the the training, and I think that's a big piece for companies. How often are you getting people to training? What's the success of the training? I like safety check-ins. So when I deliver a training message on Monday, next week when I'm watching up walking the plant floor, I'm not out to get people in trouble, but I'm about to ask, hey, tell me what this pictogram means on this bottle, right? We just had Hascom training. Tell me what it means in your own words. And if you don't know, it's a coaching moment. But I think those are some good leading indicators that we can start measuring with our customers. Yeah, definitely. Also, another piece for me when it comes to culture is how do you how do you sell this culture change to leadership? Because if I'm in a company who hasn't had any injuries in five years, well, why am I going to invest in this? Now, you and I know it's just luck because we walk around the facility and find 100 hazards in the first five minutes, right? So you talk about being a home inspector. You walk through your home and you're like, hey, I found all these hazards faster than the home inspector. We know that it's just luck, but how are you selling that both at your full-time job and in the consulting world? How, how are you selling this investment? So that honestly is a tough sell, right? Because listen, I always say, and you know, the safety professionals say safety isn't expensive. It's priceless, right? And that that's kind of what, you know, my slogan is, you know, and it has to be priceless. So what does that mean? It means just because you're doing good numbers wise, again, doesn't mean you're doing good as a culture or an overall program. Again, small time business, say they have 50 employees, right? You know, they could be, you know, manufacturing, you know, particles or dust. And, you know, again, they, that explosion is lingering out there, but it could just take that one spark. So how I do it, Nick, is, you know, I go in there and again, we do employee surveys or safety culture surveys and they're anonymous. And, you know, we hand it out and see what are really the hazards. And what I found, what we found, you know, our company is that even the people who think they're doing awesome, right? It's like an NBA star who's averaging 30 points a game, but he has no assists. He's not passing the ball, right? You know, the other team's like, great, he's got 30 points, but what's the other team doing? You know, we found that, you know, the employees aren't really happy with the way the safety program is run or driven because there isn't, and they need that coach in there to help drive that change. So that's what I found is, you know, we first go in and survey the people. And you hear me say people a lot is because, again, and I'm a firm believer and, it's, and I know Mike is too. And it sounds like you are for everything you're doing, where if you really do put the people over the company, the people will want to work for you and be more apt to, hey, you know, what Justin told me in training, I actually do want to do that because I feel like he cares instead of just 
you have to beep your horn when you go in and out of a room because OSHA tells us to. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we got to bring it back to real life and in scenarios. And sometimes we just got to think outside the box to deliver these messages. You know, it, it's it's easy to get kind of get into the 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 atmosphere of hey, I'm just going to deliver this message. It's just part of my job. I got to do my weekly uh, toolbox talks. Hey, I'm going to talk for five minutes. Everybody sign off. Just go away type of thing. So we got to start to think outside of the box. What's something you've done to think outside of the box to deliver safety messages? And you know what I'm talking about? Cause this was a great story and I think you really own this one. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, one of the things that we did is, you know, we, again, we talk about owning is safety professionals do get the bad reputation of being a safety cop. And, you know, just like anything that that the safety professional culture has evolved, right? Just like we want to evolve, you know, companies cultures and you know back in the day when osha first started in the 70s and the 80s right safety professionals were in fact that cop they just told you what you were doing wrong and left right and right. you know over time you know we said hey that's not really how you want to engage your workforce so you know for june which is coming up this year but last year for national safety month i said you know what i want to surprise my employees you know i want to come up and i want to do something exciting so i got a, a, a police uniform from amazon a little fake badge hung it around my neck i made fake citations and i said you are receiving this citation because and your fine is and i left those blank because you know i don't know what i'm going to see on the floor and we went out there and you know i wrote tickets for people i was the safety cop for that day and you know we saw people not wearing you know both hearing protections no safety shoes you know things of that nature and you know we even got a little funny and you know said hey you're walking too fast but the whole point was you know engagement into the the workforce and it was a lot of fun and the employees had a lot of fun things to say about me which i won't repeat <laughs> <laughs> how did they respond to that were they like kind of like f you or were they, were they kind of in there like having fun with it or they're like, so, all right, you got me. But then they laugh or was it just they all get mad and, uh, you know, see like videos like we see on cops. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so we had uh, and, you know, this is what makes Brady so great is we have employees from all different types of cultures. And, you know, we had some people FaceTime and their employees, uh, their, you know, their family, excuse me, back home and like, hey, you know, I got the police. They cited me and, you know, they're. You know, I, I had some one guy in fake cuffs right behind him. And, you know, his mom answered. She was like, oh, my God. Uh, so so I have know, a friend. I have a friend. I have a friend with a, a pass. So he was driving a golf cart once and he wrecked it. He ditched the golf cart and the cop came and he took off road. And he's like, I don't know what happened. I just triggered. <laughs> <It's like>, oh. <laughs> I've been clean for years. But when the cop came, I took off road. Did you have any runners? No, we had no runners. Thankfully. <laughs> Chase him down with the Cushman. Come back here. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I think they got the point when they got the citation for whatever they were doing wrong. Right. That was even fun to get it because, you know, it was the safety cop instead of me just going up and say, go put on your shoes or here's a here's a verbal. Right. So, you know, we didn't count any of those as written warnings or anything, nor should we have. Right. It was just a fun way to do reminders like Nick was saying, you know, check ins. Hey, you know, we, I have three sites that I go to consistently. And, you know, hey, this is what we're we're looking at. Another thing that, you know, I do want to talk real quick. This was one of the best things we ever did was we did forklift inspection um, American Idol. And what that was is we had two safety committee members and myself. Right. And we dressed up and we had three chairs and we had one through 10 as the numbers. And we had employees who drive the forklift come over and for their daily inspection, they had to do it in front of us judges. Right. We had two line employees. And we held up the number and the winner got a $50 gift card. And that was phenomenal. 
That is awesome. You know, and, and what you're doing there for our audience listening in is that we know scientifically that we can give negative reprimands all we want and we'll get instantaneous corrective action. However, that falls off after a day, five days, right? But if we do these positive fun things, it slowly changes the behavior, but the long-term effect of that is exponentially longer. And it's amazing to see, you know, safety taking it and making it fun, not being the safety cop, changing really the mindset and the culture of the company and saying, hey, we can do these things. We can give positive reinforcement and, you know, heaven forbid, we have a little bit of fun at work, right? Because I think that's, that's one thing I talk about a lot of my presentations is, listen, if you want to hire employees, you want to retain employees, you got to make work fun. I'm not saying we need pizza parties every day, but little things like this, people remember that. They laugh about it. And it makes going to work more exciting. And, and I think that helps us in the safety world. Yeah. I think another part of that, too, that we never, you know, we just kind of take for granted and never think about is while you're having fun doing that, yes, you're promoting safety, but you're also team building. You're also establishing relationship. Then they're like, okay, he's got an important message, but it makes it fun. You know, coming from the social service field, what I notice is when there's too much negativity or too much negative reinforcement, people begin to isolate themselves and shy away from it. They try to avoid you. So there can't be that engagement. So even if you would try to at some point, it's almost like over-disciplining your kids where they just kind of shut down that fight, flight, or freeze mechanism. So people do that as adults as well. So when you're constantly... You know, the other side of the safety cop or even just the policies and procedures. That's all you do all the time. Our policies, our procedure. You do that crap. They just shut out and realize that just nonsense. It's this black, white, you know, us versus them kind of thing going on. But when you engage and have fun together, you're, you're literally establishing that relationship, even though you're promoting safety. So well done, Justin. We appreciate all that. So if anyone's in, interested in reaching out to you, Justin, for optimal safety, how do they get a hold of you? You can do my LinkedIn at Justin D. Flamary or my cell phone number. I don't mind giving it out is 603-717-2646. That's awesome. Well, Justin, I want to thank you for being on here with us today with Portage County State Council and doing this podcast, getting your message out. I can tell just in our conversation that your companies will be successful with their safety programs because of the work you do. High energy, exciting. It's great stuff. It was great meeting you today. Mike, thank you for putting this together. And to all of our listeners, be safe out there and have a great day. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.